testimony again. Whatever God's done for you, if he saved you, there is so much power in what you used to be. Don't ever be ashamed to share it. Share it, share it. And I know I'm thankful for your pastor. Amen. Uh, I've been trying to figure out just exactly what the Lord wanted us to preach about. Uh, trying to figure out uh, which which way to take. And I, I really believe we need to be in 1 Kings 19 is where we're going to start. I got a lot of different thoughts going on in my, my mind. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff going on at our house, amen, and I know you do at your house too. Seems like everything comes to at you all at once. Uh, you, you hardly get a break. Once the devil feels like he's kind of got you under his thumb, he don't let up, amen. Uh, maybe just my house, I don't know, but it's one of those things that as we start looking and working, and I, and I wish Beth could have saw it, maybe before we leave we can, your Awana set up over here and your youth set up, I was so envious of that. And then, then this, you know, Brother Shane said, hey, we got, got more kids than we do adults. What a blessing that is. Well, it shows us that you're pouring into these kids, and, and I'm telling you, but here's the danger. When you pour in and you pour in and you pour in, if you're not putting God's word back in, we get burnt out. Amen. I'm afraid that's where a lot of us get. The Bible's real clear and not, not to be, don't get weary in well-doing, right? That's Galatians 6, 9. It says, don't, don't be and, and let us not be weary in well-doing. That's saying that you can get weary. You ever been there? Looks like we may be there now, amen. It's early, I know it. I, we, we get tired, we get wore out. Uh, I, I tell you, when, when you do get weary and you're still trying to do the right thing, you get in a mess. And that's just what I want to preach about. There's three men. Uh, I know you've heard this term over and over here in your life, but we're going to compare Scripture with Scripture. Amen? I don't want to tell you something and you think it was something I said. It's something God said. There's three men that we're going to look at in the Bible quickly this morning that were going through three very similar things, and the answer for all three was very similar also. Each was facing depression. Some were contemplating death. Some were wishing to die. But the fix for all three of these was the same. I want to preach very simply this morning on what is the answer. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Our first man we're going to look at is going to be Elijah. We're going to start 1 Kings 19, starting in about verse 1. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel and that all that Elijah had done with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, and I'm going to give you some, I'm going to translate here for just a second. She's saying, Somebody go tell that man that come tomorrow, he's done killed a bunch of my friends, a bunch of my, come tomorrow, I'm coming from him. He's, listen, if, if a woman named Jezebel calls my house and says, I'm coming from you, I'm going to believe her, amen? That name sounds like she means business. And he, listen, apparently he believed it. And listen what he says. Now, if, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose, he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. He takes off running. He's out of there. He's gone. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself, now listen to this, that he might die. That he might die, thank you, Lord. And said, it is enough, now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I love you. Thank you for this opportunity, God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this pastor. I thank you for this congregation. God, I thank you for everything that I've already felt here today. God, as we walk into somewhere new, it's so, so good to be able to feel your presence when we come in, that you've preceded us here. God, I believe that there's somebody that needs to hear this word, God. Even if it's me and my wife, God, we need this. We need to hear a word from you. Your people need to hear a word from the word. I pray that you get me out of the way. God, I don't even care if years from now they don't remember my name. As long as they remember this word that's been proclaimed here this morning, I'll be careful to give you the honor and the glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want to back up and give you just a little bit of background about who we're talking about. So we've got this guy named Elijah. All of a sudden, this lady named Jezebel is in here, and she's saying, Hey, you've done a bunch of, you, you've heard a bunch of my friends, and I'm coming to kill you tomorrow. Elijah takes off running, and he's sitting there, and he says, I, I just want to die. God, I just want to die. When you back up to chapter 18, though, and I, I'm assuming we've got some, some people that read their Bibles here, uh, th this is a very different man on a very different day. Elijah was the guy. He was the it guy. Uh, it hadn't rained in three years at his prayer. All right, amen. So he, he, he was a man of God. He was a prophet. It hadn't rained all these years. All these prophets were coming around, and he, he builds this altar. He's taunting all these prophets of Baal, saying and that they're going back and forth. He calls down the fire of God to burn up a water-soaked altar. Are you following me? The, the fire of God at his word. And then that chapter 18 finishes up that he kills all of the, there's 450 prophets of Baal. There's a bunch of other prophets. The Bible says he slays them. I don't know if it's with a sword. I don't know if it's with an AK. I don't know exactly how he killed them all, but it says he slayed them. I mean, this is a bad dude. Can you imagine? So when you get to chapter 19, and there's one lady that says, I don't like what you did yesterday. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to you, and come tomorrow, you're dead. What changed? What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. The battleground all of a sudden changed. You ever been there? You ever come into church and, hey, you're prayed up and you're ready to go and you come in here and we're going to lift our hands and praise God and before you get through the door, you get a text that something's happened. It may be from work, some unforeseen car wreck, some sickness that's happened, and all of a sudden your mind is just under attack, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And But you came in here with every intention of praising God, and get, hey, doing nothing but that, but all of a sudden it comes in through your mind. You know who's real good at attacking your mind? Help me now. Hey, your enemy is not going to show up here with a pitchfork and say, gouging you visibly. 
that's going to scare you. He's going to get in your mind. And that's exactly what was happening here. That battleground changed. Listen to this. This is so important. It was no longer physical but mental. Listen to verse 3. This is as this servant saying, here comes Jezebel. Hey, Amen. It's right there. Look at that. I can't even hardly see my own Bible. I can read that. I like this. Look at this word. And when he saw. Isn't that interesting? So they're sitting there telling him something. And the Bible says, how do you see something that somebody's telling you? You with me? He starts picturing in his mind, I bet, I bet she's mad at me. I, I bet this is really going to be bad. So, I mean, that's what the devil does. He makes things. You, you hear the saying all the time, making a mountain out of a mohill. Uh, hey, I, I'm good at it. I can make things seem worse than they are. Uh, it's like when, it, when the Beth comes home someday and I, I've loaded the laundry and I, I really, hey, hey, I've really done some work here at the house. I, we make it out bigger than it is. The devil's really good at that, though. When he saw that, it got in his mind. It didn't say he heard it. It said he saw that. That, that battlefield had changed. Some, some of our high spiritual highs are accompanied right by some of our biggest lows. Why? When we're up here thinking we're doing something for God, all of a sudden here comes that enemy wanting to tear down everything you've done. Why? Because when you take that first step of faith and you're like, wow, God really was there. What does it make you want to do? It makes you want to take another one. When you take another one, it's like, well, God really is there. And you start wanting to do something for God. Your enemy immediately wants to get in your mind saying, hey, don't take one more step. You better not take one more step. What do we have to do? We've got to get in that word. We've got to, listen, we've got to protect our minds. I'd love to tell you that this is some 2023 uh, new age thing that the, the devil's doing, but it's not. It's the same thing he's been doing throughout all time. Listen to this. Same thing he did in the Garden of Eden when the serpent came and used God's very words. He comes in and says, Hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Don't miss this now. I've jotted this note down. I want you to listen to this. He, did, he said, Hath God said. Now how would Eve know that? Remember, God spoke to Adam. Genesis 2.17, you don't have to go there, but listen to this. This is God giving Adam some very specific instructions. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt surely die. It's pretty clear, right? Don't eat of it, you're going to die. Listen to this next verse, 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So he just gave the instructions to the man, where's the woman? She wasn't created yet. So when the devil comes in and says, hath God said? He's not just saying, I don't believe God. He's trying to get her to question, are you sure Adam heard that right? Men, boy, I got to tiptoe here. I wish Beth could plug her ears or turn her head or something, but it, it's... When we, we hear things differently, amen? Husbands and wives, we hear things differently, don't we? When, when we hear the mechanic say, hey, it, it might, it's going to be between $1,000 and $2,000, but by the time we get home, it's going to be five. 
the woman's going to hear, maybe we can take it up the street and we can get it done a little bit cheaper. We hear things differently. He starts attacking not just Adam, but he's the very words of God. Are you sure Adam heard that right? Maybe he heard that wrong. He gets in Eve's mind, just like he got in Elijah's mind. That's how the devil rolls. That's what he does. You ever be sitting in church, and maybe it's happening right now, and you're thinking about everything else but the Word of God randomly? Got any fingernail clippers in here? If you do, put them up. I have ADD. I can't handle it. Or there, there's a guy at church. He'll sit there, and he'll rattle his keys. Lord, have mercy. There's another one that sits there and clicks his pen constantly. The only time he does this is in church. Another one gets a piece of candy and he'll have a wrapper. I'm talking through preaching. Just do it. As soon as preaching over, puts it up. Say, what's going on? There's a warfare that's happening all throughout this church, all throughout your life, and it usually happens in your mind. And if you're not aware of it, he will use you to do something to hinder somebody else. I don't know your spiritual condition. Somebody in here may need to be saved. Let me just say this, the best decision I ever made as an older man, I wish I'd have done it when I was young, was accepting Christ as my Savior. I've never regretted it. It's the best decision it's ever happened to me. And one of the reasons I've been studying this out is I've been trying to figure out why it took me so long. I believed when I was younger. I was raised in church. My dad was a deacon. My mom played the piano. I heard the gospel thousands of times. I began to study this thinking, why did it take me so long? The devil got in my mind and just bared it. Listen, the devil's never going to tell you not to get saved. You know what he's going to tell you? Wait. Won't you do it next week? Just wait just a little while. I can't tell you the fear. Listen, when I, when I answered the call to preach, Brother Brandon came up and became our pastor. I became the associate pastor there. It's been some of the greatest times of my life have happened in the last three to four or five years. I don't even know how old I am or how long we've been there. I'm old and it's been a long time. Some of the best times I've ever had have been right there. But listen, some of the saddest times I've ever had has been at the funeral home. Moms, dads, young people, older people that left out of here quicker than they intended. I'm not trying to scare you. The devil's in somebody's mind saying, just wait. And I'm here saying, don't. It's the best thing ever if you just make that decision today. Here's the other thing he's going to tell you. It's too hard. I had the, one of the grandest opportunities I ever had happen last Sunday at Fellowship Baptist Church. We had a... I see all these kids, and our hearts for kids. We've been over Awana for years. We've run church vans. If you don't run vans, I'm going to pray God burden somebody's heart to start. Get out in these neighborhoods. Bring them in. We had a kid that started coming back. He's 16 years old. I don't remember, Beth, when we started picking Ethan up, he was five, six years old, small kid. Well, here he comes all of a sudden. He's 16 years old, punk kid. I mean... Hey, Ethan, you remember me? And he's just got that. What's up? I thought, you little. Uh, amen. I got them at home, too, sometimes. 
But he came in and he started getting involved. Awana's so good. Awana plants those Bible verses. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're thinking there's no way they're going to get this. He's been coming to church. He's been coming to church. He finally goes down to the altar last Sunday. I go down there and I start to pray with him. And I said, man, what's going on? What can I, what can I pray with you about? Wouldn't answer me. Punk kid again. He starts, his, his girlfriend's with him, several other girls. They get up. It was just a joke to them. He starts to get up, and I stuck my hand on his shoulder. And I told him, I said, just tell me something to pray for. What, what's going on? Is it your family? He said, man, I just, I just don't know if I'm saved. I said, okay. He said, let me, let me ask you a couple questions. So we began to go through this process. I have no idea why I'm saying this, all right? We began to go through this process, and here, here's what he said. I said, have you ever asked the Lord to save you? No. He said, so we know the answer. If you were to die today. And I said, there, there, there's two possibilities. For the wages of sin is death. He said, I know all those verses. I remember them from Moana. I know that nobody's righteous. No, not one. I know that includes me. I know, I, I've heard it. I hear whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I know it. I said, well, here's your one. For the wages, the payment of sin, all those wrong things we do is death. And he looked at me, he teared up, and he said, man, I don't, want, I don't know what to do. And I said, the best news is the next part of that verse. All right, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Here's what he said. He said, I'm just not worthy. I said, hallelujah, none of us are. Nobody deserves the grace of God. And the devil had gotten in his little mind all those years and said, you're not good enough. You're never going to amount to anything. I'm here to tell you, you are good enough because of Christ. Not because of anything you've done. The devil will get in your mind just like he did Elijah's thinking, oh my goodness, what, what, what am I going to do today make the decision for Christ? Elijah failed where most of us historically fell also. It's where we're strongest. His faith in chapter 18 is unmerited. 19, he failed in the very thing he was strong at. Same place we did. He's running, he's hiding, and I'm going to hurry. But look at verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, this is after he's ran away, he's wishing to die, an angel, then an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and laid down again. This always depressed me when I read it. Here's a guy that's wishing to die. He's ran away. An angel brings him food, he eats it, and what does he do? He passes out again. You've been just so mentally tired and exhausted. You're like, I can't even do this. Here's what he does again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time. I thank God for coming my way again. Touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. Amen. It must have been Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken, if you can go that long. Nights unto Horeb and the Mount of God, and came thither into a cave and lodged there. Here's the verse I wanted to get to. And behold, what came to him? The word of the Lord came to him. In the middle of the, his darkest hour, all of a sudden, here comes the word of the Lord. How cool is that? If you think about that, look, look, look at verse 10. 
let, let me let me just put it to you this way. Elijah didn't didn't have sixty six books bound in leather. He couldn't turn to chapter so and so and verse so and so. Back in Old Testament days, the word of the Lord came through prophets. The word, and he was a prophet, needing a word. So what does God do? He sends a word through an angel. He sends that word through. He found another way to still get him. What a God! Amen. Even when you're the one supposed to be delivering the word. God finds another way to send it to him. I thank God for coming my way in his greatest time of need. Don't miss that. It was the word that he needed. I've known some great Christians through some weak moments have done some awful things. We've got two. We've got a family member, and then I've got a guy that I would have considered, uh, if I could have been any preacher, I'd want to be like this guy. The preacher came in, had a fantastic testimony. He was all over our county. I mean, preaching the paint off the walls. God is good. Hell is hot. You better be saved. I got word one night he'd taken his own life. One weak moment. He went from top of the mountain to in that weak moment. We've got a, a family member who I would have put up as a Bible scholar up against anybody I know. He knew more script he'd forgotten more scripture than I'll ever know. Say so what happened? Ended up having some marriage trouble. Financial trouble, don't know exactly what was going, took his own life. Your enemy hates you. He wants you to walk out of these doors and say, we'll fix this next week. I'm here to tell you, leave it here on the altar today, whether it's salvation. Whatever problem you've got, the answer is always Christ. Don't forget that. It's always the word of God. I love that. You know, it's always funny when you've got trouble. Church people are going to say, oh, I've got this Bible verse that will help you. You ever been there? You're like, that ain't going to help. For God so loved the world. Yeah, I know he loves the world, but how am I going to pay my bills? You ever been there? Not that you don't believe it, but you need just a little bit more. I love that God sent Elijah something else. Verse 10, he sends him a friend. He sends Elisha. At the heart of all of his complaint was he was secluded and alone. As Christians, there are going to be times where we're alone, right? He's sitting there saying, I need just a little bit more, God. I only, only I am left, and they seek my life. Elijah felt secluded, and here comes Elijah. So what was the, the answer here? God's answer was his word, and he sent him a friend. I'm going I'm to hurry up and go through two more real quick. Jonah chapter 4, extremely, uh, everybody knows this one, extremely well-known scripture. Everybody knows Jonah. Everybody knows what happened. He was supposed to deliver a word. He didn't want to. He ends up in the belly of a whale three days. He ends up coming back and doing it anyway. So we're going to start in chapter 4, not verse 1. Listen to what he says. See if any of this rings a bell to you. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. You know what he's saying? I knew you were going to forgive them. 
He didn't like these people that God said, go deliver this message. He delivered the message. He didn't like it. He said, I knew you were going to do that. Listen to this. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. So when Elijah went as far as he can go, he says, just take my life. Now here's Jonah saying the same thing. Isn't that interesting? It's better for me to die than live. Jonah, like Elijah, was wishing to die. This one's a little bit harder for me to understand. It'd, be, it'd almost be like Billy Graham coming in and 30,000 people getting saved and him saying, you know what, God, just take my life. They're not worth it. I don't like them. I don't like this city. I, I came to Dallas, Georgia, and, and then 30,000 people got saved. But you know what? I don't, I don't like them. I don't like Georgia. Georgia's a bunch of rednecks. I don't like them. I'm not going to say that Jonah didn't have some reasons to be upset with them. The Assyrians, that he, that Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. They were a brutal people. They were enemies of the Israelites. Uh, as far as Jonah was concerned, he just didn't like them. And when God says, go down there and tell them I'm going to save them, he said, no, I ain't doing that. You can send somebody else. Send one of their own kind down there to do it. I want to show you this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. He didn't have to go hunting for anything. This is what God started out his journey with. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Isn't that it? So Elijah ends up the word of the Lord came after in his time of need. And here Jonah gets to start out with the word of the Lord. He has this word, hey, go tell them they better repent or. Anybody ever said no to God? How'd that work out? Maybe you didn't say no. <laughs> you, ever, you ever try to just ignore it? I know I'm supposed to do something, but surely somebody else will do it my wife's really good at taking care of things a lot of times i'll let things slip knowing she's going to handle them anybody got a good wife i can at least get an amen there right we got there we go it's one of these things though when we put things off for somebody else to do i worked with a man that was mean as the devil himself um, i'm convinced cussed like a sailor he was a vending machine guy. He'd come in. I mean, people would put Canadian coins in there, and he'd sling them across. I mean, he, he, was, he was volatile. He was funny. And every time we'd try to get him stirred up, I'd be like, man, here's, no, here's a bunch more Canadian ones, and he'd cuss, and it, it was just a funny thing. The Lord impressed on me one day and said, you need to go tell Mr. Brown about your revival coming up. And I thought, I ain't telling Mr. Brown nothing about church. He cusses every church person out that I've ever saw. So here's what I did. Talk about Jonah not wanting to do it and us giving him a hard time. I'm, I'm not much better than Jonah. I got a flyer for revival. And right by the vending machine, I came down and there's a bulletin board there and I posted it right in the middle of it. I was so proud. I told his helper who was a Christian, I said, hey, point Mr. Brown towards that. Just, just, here's what he said. He said, I ain't telling him nothing. It's like, he'll, he'll cuss me. And I said, well, maybe he'll see it. I said, maybe he will. 
Went to church that night, had a great service, had people in the altar, people saved. All the best I can remember, everything was good. I went back in that next day. Mr. Brown didn't come, and I, I thought, I, I got bold. I'm going to ask Mr. Brown to come. So I go in there, and his buddy's there, and I said, Where, where's Mr. Brown at? So you didn't hear. As we're driving home, he dropped me off, and he was about half a mile from his house. He had a massive heart attack, hit a tree, and died. I'm telling you a true story here. There's a cause this morning when God nudges you to do something. There's a I don't know this community, but I, I can see a house from here. I heard a ballpark somewhere right around through here when I pulled up. Here are kids playing. I don't want to see anybody dying and going to hell because I was too embarrassed or just, I'm afraid what they're going to say. What do they need? What is the answer for that? It's the word of the Lord. You'd be surprised what just planting a small seed would do. If you say, well, I, I just can't do that, then just invite them to church. Get them here. I know Brother Lee preaches the word. I know he'll get them the word. The word's what changes our lives. When we say no to God, we're not just saying no to God. We're telling him we don't care about that person. He's wanting us to help. Oh, God, help us this morning. The devil got in Jonah's mind, saw his bitterness, saw his prejudice towards those people. His prejudice blinded him to what God had already given him, the word. Can you imagine? There's no place in the Christian's life for prejudice. There's just not. We live in such a weird, evil world right now. I went to uh, a men's conference years ago, and we, we get in there, and they, they stopped everything. There's probably 500 of us in there, huge conference. They stopped and said, Brother so-and-so, come on up. And he comes up. He was the manager of a Chick-fil-A. He comes up and says, look, and this was when all this junk was on the news about Chick-fil-A, and we're not even going to talk about what it was, all right? Everybody knows what it is. They were known for being against, taking a stance against something, and he just said he just got word that they're picketing around his Chick-fil-A. They threw a brick through the window. We're going to pray for this man. They've called the police, and we did. We gathered around and we prayed. We, as we went home, we looked, and we, we couldn't see what was going on. We went back the next morning, and the guy was there. And I said, brother, well, you know, what, what happened? You know, I was, I, was, I was wanting to see him beat up and bloodied and like, oh, we fought to the death and got rid of him. He said, no. He said, we closed it down. He said, all the food that was made, he said, we got a push cart, and all these people that were standing out there with these picket signs, we came out one by one. Are you hungry? Would, would you like a lemonade? He said, by the time I got to the end of that line, he said they were taking the food, and he said, somebody finally asked, why are you giving us this? Why are you doing this? God loves you. I love you. I, I, you, you. I'm sure you don't agree with us. I'm sure you don't like our stance. And he's like, I'm not here to talk about that. You look like you're thirsty. You look like you might want something to eat. I love you. I want you to come back. If you don't, whatever. There's no place in a Christian's life for prejudice. You're going to win more souls when the whole world is telling somebody how bad, how dirty, how low they are when you come in and say, boy, I used to be low too. God still loved me.
Jonah come into these people's lives and he, he gave them an eight-word sermon and thousands were saved. But that very word God gave him, he was still bitter about. God tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're going to be more miserable and bitter than anybody on the face of this planet. God may be dealing with somebody in here right now about being a preacher, about being a missionary, about singing up here, about being a greeter, about doing something. God's burdened your heart. I'm telling you, you're going to be miserable until you do it. It may be over here doing nothing more than serving a snack to kids, and you think, well, there's nothing to that. There's kids that we have come in every Wednesday night. The only hug they'll ever get is from a grandmother or grandfather that's over there serving them a meal. There is a cause, and it is so worth it. The answer is always the word. Give them the word. Don't be better. My goodness, don't be better. The last man I want to look at is in Acts. He's not named. We're going to be in about Acts 16, and I'm trying to hurry. Acts 16, this is where Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. I used to think it was so cool when I was a kid. I'd hear about Christians in the Bible that went to jail, and I'm always like, I wonder what they did. It must have been something real bad. And I, and I would like that guy a little bit more. Like, I wish my name was Silas. You know, I, I bet he's got a really cool prison tat. And like, I, I, I really, in my mind, was thinking, and the older I get, and I start reading about them, these guys would get thrown in jail for doing the right thing. That's exactly what happened. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. Uh, they, they had cast a devil out of a lady that uh, she was basically a fortune teller. People were making money off of her telling that fortune. They didn't like it. Uh, let, me, let me just say this. What a picture of today's world. Talking about people making money off of you. I could drop dead at my job tomorrow. And you know what they're going to do? Before the end of the day, they'll have somebody else in my spot doing my job. The Bible's real clear on what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and gain, loses his own soul. It's not about work. It's not about money. It's about the word. It's about getting the word into people. The devil tries to convince us you need to work more. You need to earn more. You need all this stuff. All you need is Jesus. Verse 23, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. It says they were beaten and whipped for casting a devil out of a lady. Can you imagine? Beaten and whipped. It looks like it is their absolute darkest hour of their life. It's midnight. Listen to what they do. Verse 25. I love this. I can't sing a lick, but I love this. It makes me want to sing. Whenever. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. All these guys that deserved to be in there all of a sudden heard this, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Here's our guy. He's not named and the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, seeing the doors open, he drew out his sword, can you just picture it, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners, all he sees, the doors are open, he's drawing his sword, and he's fixing to kill himself. He's thinking, I'm going to die anyway, I'm going to do it quick. What 
do you think saved him? What are we talking about here? How, can the, how could have the word saved him? Listen to this, verse 28. Paul cried with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light. He didn't believe it. He sprang in and came trembling and fell down at Paul and Silas, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Boy, I love this verse. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And here it is. And they spake unto him, What? The word of the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Three men. We got three guys talking about death. What's the salvation for all of them and all? It's the word. It's the word of the Lord. I don't know if you figured it out or not, but whatever problem you're facing, God's got the answer for it. It's in His word. When you get God's word in you, that's when these things start getting fixed. God is always the answer. The difference in these three men is how they each responded. Elijah ran and ran as far as he could and then got the word. Well, what would have happened, listen, if he hadn't ran away? We don't, we don't know. What about Jonah? What, what if he had had a better attitude? Could he have saved more people? Could there have been another nation that he could have went in and had an eight-word sermon? We don't know. This guy, listen, the word of the Lord literally saved his life in his deepest, darkest moment, and it can yours too. That's the difference in how they all respond. How are you going to respond? How fortunate are we that we don't have to have a prophet to come in here? I love that, that verse that says that we have a more sure word of prophecy. That means it's more sure than if you had a prophet raised from the dead walk through here and says, here's what God said. The Bible is really clear on a more sure word is this word that we have right here given to us. More sure. There's nothing more sure in this world than God's word. Somebody needs to remind the devil this morning, even though you're weak and going through something, hey, that you're still going to look to God's word for your help. If the path, I'd love it when people say, yeah, I've tried that and it didn't work. You ever see people that'll go pray and they stay down there for about 10 seconds, get up, and the next week they're like, yeah, I'm still having the same old problem. I'm still drinking. I'm sorry. Here's what I tell them, because I've had to tell myself this before. If the power goes out at my house, and it's out for an hour, you know who I'm going to call? I'm not calling her. I may call her and say, call them. Call the power company. Let them know what's going on. If after about two weeks, the power's still off, and I say, well, did you call the power company? I did, but they didn't answer. Okay. No, we would call, and we would call, and we would call. Listen, if we had to, we would crawl down there. Hey, it's about to be hot in Georgia. Amen. You let the AC go out. We're going to get that guy somehow on the phone at our house. That's how serious your spiritual life is. If you've got a need, you call on God. You Listen, the word is very clear. The Lord is nigh unto them, to all them that call upon him. He's nigh to them that have a broken heart. Say, so you just don't know what I've gone through. No, but God does. 
whatever you need. I tell you what, I don't know quite know how we need to do an altar call. Beth, uh, Brother Shane, you can, okay if she, Beth, come do an altar call for her. Come do a song for us. I don't know what you need. I don't know if you need anything. I, I love Jeremiah 33 and 3, and it, it's call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I love that verse. Every Christian that I know of uses that verse from time to time, right? But it's real clear on what it tells us to do. Our job is to call. His is to answer. God's not a liar. He's going to answer that, that line when we, but the kicker is we have to ask him and really mean it. It's not one of these prayers where you come down here and say, God bless all the little children in Jesus' name, amen. It's one of those, hey, God, I really need some help. I really don't know how I'm going to get through this. I, I really don't know how this family member is going to come back home. But I really do need you. Your job is to call, call unto me and I will answer thee. It's a promise. The answer for each one of these men, the answer for each person in this room and on planet earth is the word of God. There's this word changed my life. I don't know how in the world I ended up in Dallas, Georgia. From where I was just a few short years ago, I was on my way to a devil's hell. Can I say this from a church pew? Looking the part, thinking I had it all figured out. Everywhere I go, I want you to know, listen, I don't care if you've been a church member for 10 years. I don't care if you've your whole life. got a need then I don't don't be embarrassed come come I don't know how you do things I don't care if you do it in your seat I don't care if you do it at home tonight you call on God and you mean it he's there it's the best thing ever let's stand all over the house if you don't mind just bow your heads and close your eyes just just for a moment if you've got a need you pray this morning
play, and that's probably one of the oddest messages that I've had. I don't. You read in the Word of God, there's answers for every problem. There, these were some some men, some prophets that had some really big problems and were wishing to die. That's hard to read in the Word of God, but it also makes it very real and very relevant that even though we're serving God, we can have some really big problems. And so I'm thankful that we can just come lay all those problems out. And I I hope as you go through your life and you start searching and wondering, there's a lot of young people in here. I'd love to tell you that life gets easier. Sometimes it gets harder, but my goodness, it gets sweeter with the Word of God. That's how you get through this thing. The, the younger you get saved and get things right, uh, that you get on that right path earlier. So I'm not just exactly sure what God's doing in here and in your heart this morning. But I tell you what, let's just continue to pray. I'm going to pray right now and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. God, we thank you for what's being done in hearts right now. God, I thank you for what you're doing in mind. God, I, I thank you for the word that's challenged me. God, there's been many times that I've wanted to give up, that I, Lord, even thought about, Lord, would it just be better if I just weren't here? God, I thank you for coming in my darkest hour. Lord, and letting me know that you still love me, even as many times as I've failed you. God, as many times as I, you waited on me, God, I thank you for those second and third chances. God, I thank you for being patient with me, for being long-suffering with me. God, I thank you for that. Lord, so many times I felt like I was such a failure. But God, when I get in your precious word and I, I read men that struggled in some of the same areas that I did, God, the hope that it brings me, and God, your Holy Spirit begins to work through your word like only it and you can and I thank you for it oh what a savior that takes our messes and turns around and makes a message out of our life and I thank you for that God I pray that you continue to bless this place God I pray for your spirit to continue to rest on it God I pray that when people Lord step up on the parking lot they'll feel your Holy Spirit here just like we did Lord, I pray that you'll start sending men and women and boys and girls from the north, south, east, and the west to this place. God, not so we can say, look at what a man did, but we can say, look at what God did. God, so the word of the Lord can be proclaimed to them and change their life just like it has mine. You are good. I am so thankful for the goodness of God pursuing me running after me I can't help but think that you're still pursuing somebody here today God I pray that you'll go home with them God I pray that you'll follow them God I pray that this word bears deep in their heart I pray that all they hear is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Lord I pray if there's one here that's struggling mentally and not sure if they're going to make it or not I pray that you go comfort them right now as only you can precious word. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Who needed that this morning? I I did. You know, you can
you can put me on the battlefield and I'm going to go. I'm going to fight. But man, you put me in a room by myself and I'm going to break. My thoughts are going to get to me. And man, it just, uh, it just, today's message was, it was for me. You know, I'm, I'm sure everybody can apply it to in, in some type of their life and some shape or form, and I hope I hope you take it with you this morning. And, um, you know, if you're struggling with thoughts and stuff like that, you know, one of the things I've always thought that was weird is um, you, you have to you have to keep reading the Bible. I've, I've picked up the Bible before, and I'm like, man, just why can't I just remember this stuff, you know, and just um, why, why do you have to keep picking it up? And it's just, you just do, you know. It's just God made it that way. You know, if he didn't, you wouldn't need it. And, um... And and one of the things that I struggle with is, is is my thoughts. Sometimes I beat myself up, beat myself down, and you know I can pick up the Word of God, and and the next thing you know, it's just like, man, thank you, Lord, thank you, you know. So I just want to encourage you, if that's where you're at today, you know, pick it up. There's, I, I definitely need to pick my Bible up more than I have been, um, and you know, maybe maybe you're somewhere in that same situation, and I want to encourage you today to do that. Amen. I love you guys. You guys are welcome to go. Thank you this morning. Y'all make Brother Mark feel welcome. And and if you hadn't introduced yourself to him, you know, let him know who you are and uh, love on him a little bit. Thank y'all so much for coming and, 